0: Welcome back to the Round Robin Diplomacy Podcast. I appreciate the listen after a long winter break from the podcast, and I am back and ready to give this another good run. Over the weekend, Portugal had a gripping, snap election that determined the course of politics over the next five years. Three political parties dominated the headlines. The Socialists, with Prime Minister Costa at the lead. The Social Democrats, with Rui Rio giving the incumbent a run for his seat and Chega, the far-right party that gained a significant amount of seats this weekend. Starting backwards from that order, Chega only gained 12 seats this weekend, which is an 8-seat improvement since the last election in 2019, but given the fact that they did not join any ruling coalition, they still remain a fringe party. Second, the Social Democrats were poised to give as much grievance to the socialists as they could, but they fell short of expectations and only gathered 71 seats. They now become the primary opposition party to the socialists who were able to gain an outright majority with 117 seats out of 230 total. The remaining 30 seats went to smaller parties who will also not join any ruling coalition. So here's what the headlines got wrong in my opinion. People were expecting a tighter race than what occurred because of COVID, the economy, and political rhetoric that was circulating for two months. However, the people ultimately had confidence in the Prime Minister, who for the last six years balanced the budget, brought the highest GDP growth rate since the 1990s, vaccinated 90% of the population with at least one dose and 50% of the population with two, sought stable ties with neighbors, and is platforming on a better standard of living for the Portuguese. In retrospect, this sounds like an absolute golasso for Prime Minister Antonio Costa. So let's talk about this platform and what the socialists got an outright mandate to enact. What does this mean for Portugal going forward? The socialists' plan to revamp the economy is to invest in sectors that Portugal has been late to get in on, like a digital economy, and try to intrude sectors like infrastructure and banking to revamp the economy after COVID. The party has initiated legislation to raise the minimum wage from 705 euros a month, to 900 by 2026. The US equivalent would be raising a monthly income of $791 to $1,010 a month. They also plan to take the time to start a national conversation around a four day work week. Something that socialists in the United States would not ever consider, but the prime minister has already done and will continue to do is lower corporate tax rates. For Portugal, this gives the business community confidence to continue to invest in the country and drive wages up, ideally speaking. Obviously, the same hope does not translate in the US, but it's an interesting concept for socialists or a center-left party to also be business-friendly in the American center-right sort of way. The voters probably also trusted the prime minister to continue his steady accounting hand with the upcoming EU Pandemic Recovery Fund. If you remember the monthly minimum wage from earlier, You could probably do the math and find that if that was scaled for a 40-hour work week, the worker would be getting less than $5 an hour. The pay bump expected by 2026 isn't even that much of a bump either. That's partly why Portugal is even getting 16.6 billion euros, or 18.7 billion dollars, in economic recovery. Two-thirds of which is going to infrastructure, and another third is going directly to businesses. So that's all I had for Portugal's political news this week. Stay tuned for business and sports later this week. I also wanted to give a shout out to the listeners. I'm greatly appreciative of the thought and support you've shown this podcast since I started. You guys got this podcast on Feedspot's top 20 diplomacy podcasts on the air. It's obviously an honor. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you. And I hope to have you tune in soon.